Wow, good morning church. How's everybody? Good to have you guys with us on the live stream this morning. I don't know about you, but I am both uh, exhilarated and exhausted watching that video and, uh, and just reflecting on what this past year has held. Half of that stuff I had completely forgotten, uh, but boy, I tell you, the challenges at the beginning of this thing were real. Um, for us, and, and what an amazing church uh, you guys have been in responding to those challenges uh, that we faced this last year. God's been good. We just sang it. He's been good to us uh, through all of this, and we want to thank Him for that this morning. Uh, he's carried us through. He's given us wisdom uh, in decision-making every step of the way. He's protected us, and He's even allowed us to gain ground instead of lose ground um, in the past year. And so as I, as I reflected on that, the words of Jeremiah in, in Lamentations, uh, I think, are fitting here. Uh, Jeremiah said this. He said, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Man, we reflect. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And all God's people said, Amen. And we've been through so much, and we have so much to be thankful for. And we've got brighter days ahead, yeah? Yes, yes. God is greater than anything that this world can throw at us. We are discovering that more and more each day. And that's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks in our Greater Than series as we've journeyed through the book of Colossians together. Those of you who are joining on live stream, we're glad you're with us uh, this morning, and we're glad that you've stayed connected to us uh, all this time, and we're looking forward to seeing you guys in person, hopefully uh, on Easter. Uh, Jacob shared with us uh, in the announcements uh, that we'll be having two services on Easter just to keep everybody safe and distance, and we'll be celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus together. What better day to return to worship than Resurrection Day? Turn with me if you're by, in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Colossians uh, in the New Testament. It's uh, in the prison epistles uh, of the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, is going to be our focus this morning. So put your finger there. Speaking of the resurrection, Paul reminds us here in this letter to the Colossians that Jesus isn't the only one uh, that has been raised from the dead. If you have by faith placed your trust in Him, your sin is forgiven and you too have been raised to new life. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1, 
He says, since then, and you remember in, in chapter 1, he talks about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus, that there is nothing greater than Jesus. And then in chapter 2, he talks about Jesus being even greater than the law, than the written code that was in place, and that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection conquered the code, if you will, on our behalf. And we no longer have to perform to get into God's good graces, that Jesus Jesus has met that standard for us. And then Paul says this. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. I want you to set your hearts, not on the things of this world. I want you to set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I want you to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. How many of you need to be reminded of that? This morning. Man, it's so easy to get sucked in and consumed by all that's swirling around us in the media and in the world right now. And Paul is challenging us, says, Hey, you you've got a new life. You're a new creation in Christ. You've got to rise above this stuff. You've got to set your heart, your affection on things above, and you've got to set your mind, your attention on things above. Not all the muck and the mire that's surrounding you here. In chapter 2, Paul said, because of what Jesus had accomplished for us on the cross, we've been set free, hear me, from the construct of rules-based religion. That external code of conduct that fostered guilt because you could never really measure up. It fostered shame. Paul says, that code has been canceled. You don't have to follow those rules, those external regulations anymore because they have been fulfilled by Jesus on the cross in your name. He fulfilled the code. He fulfilled the law on your behalf. He met God's standard for you as the perfect sacrifice. And He received God's wrath. On your behalf. So you're set free from regulations, from traditions, and from the expectations of religion. That's good news. But it begs this question. It's a question that Francis Schaeffer once asked. And the question is this man, if we're free from all that, how then shall we live? How do we live if we've been set free from having to follow all these rules to try to measure up to God and, and Jesus has, has led us out of that bondage? What do we do now? How do we live? And that's exactly the question Paul is answering here in chapter 3. If we no longer live under the law, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't... That's it, man. Y'all are getting that. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with girls that do. If we're not to do all that, man, how do we move forward in grace? How do we live in the freedom that God has given us in Christ? What does life in Him, freely in Him, really look like? One of the greatest challenges, and I, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and I get this, and I'm not out of it, and we won't be out of it until we are out of this world and we're face to face with Him. 
when we're completely glorified and no longer in the process of being sanctified and being made like Him, we'll still struggle with this. But one of the greatest challenges in the Christian life is untethering yourself from rules-based religion to find freedom in a relationship with Jesus. I remember years ago a mentor said to me when I would, had first come to Christ and I was trying to figure this whole thing out. Well, I mean, I know you know you got to go to church like six times a week and you know, I talked about that last week and you, you know, we need to do this and I need to read my Bible for an hour every day and gosh, I need to pray for at least 34 minutes for everybody on the planet and you know, and I'm just, man, I got to do all this and, do, and a mentor came to me and he said, Phil, man, this whole thing is not about how good you are or how good you can be or what you can do. It's about what Jesus has already done. He said, it's finished. He was just watching me wear myself out trying to be good enough for God. And he said, it's finished. Those were Jesus' final words on the cross. It's finished. You're free. Some of you need to hear that this morning. We all need to hear that afresh and anew this morning. It is finished because of what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. Man, you're good with God if you have by faith placed your trust in Him. It's about what He's done. And mentor told me, he said, you don't have to strive, you don't have to strain to gain God's approval. That was settled at the cross. And then he said something that has stuck with me to this day. And I have to remind myself over and over again. And you hear me share it consistently in my messages. He said, God loves you just as much, Phil, on your worst day as he does on your best day. That's transforming on my worst day. Remembering that. That it's not about me. It's not about how good I am. And it's not about how best I can perform to please God. Man, it's about what Jesus has already accomplished regardless of what I'm doing. In Christ, God's love is absolutely unconditional. We have great difficulty this side of heaven getting our arms around that because honestly, there is zero absolute unconditional love here on this earth. We don't have that capacity to 100% unconditionally love. But in Christ, and Paul tells us here, we are in Him, we are hidden in Him. God's love is absolutely unconditional. And you can't change it. If you're in Him. True freedom is found when we realize and exercise the power we now possess in Jesus. You hear me? True freedom is found when we realize when we... Man, what's, what, I've been raised with Christ. I've been resurrected. I was once dead. Now I'm alive with Him. All the power that raised Jesus from the dead is present in me. Yeah. That's why we have difficulty 
stepping into this new life because it's difficult to get our arms around that reality. But true freedom is found when we realize that and when we exercise the power that we possess in Christ. That's why Paul prefaces what we have here in chapter 3 as a whole new way of living. You're no longer under the law. You no longer have to live by the, all these rules. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Paul says here's a new way to live. And he prefaces this new way of living with these words. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been resurrected. You have a new life. The resurrection rocked the religious world in Jesus' day. It changed absolutely everything. And to this day, it is the grand miracle in all of history. Not just because Jesus was raised, but because we too can be raised with Him. And once you were dead, Ephesians tells us, once you were dead, dead, dead to God, completely dead spiritually, there's nothing you could do to connect with God. Now, you're like a corpse spiritually, Ephesians tells us. Once you were dead in your sins and trespasses, now you're alive in Christ. It's a freedom foreign to those who are still trying to work their way into God's good graces. Paul's challenging us here to break free from that bondage. Anybody uh, familiar with how they train elephants to stay on a little bitty chain um, that's around their ankle, um, just hooked to a little stake in the ground. Has anybody ever heard how they do that? A couple of you. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, and I, I think it applies here. Um, elephants are, are trained to stay uh, just with a small chain, little stake in the ground. You know, the elephants can weigh as much as 12 tons. Okay, I've never met a little stake in the ground that a 12-ton beast couldn't pull up, right? Okay, they can weigh as much as 12 tons, be as much as 14 feet tall. They're one of the most powerful creatures on the planet, yet they are kept in bondage by a little chain and a stake they could easily break. You see it at the circuses, or you used to. Not so much anymore. You used to. But you'd see it at the circuses, and it's like, my goodness, I'm afraid that thing could get away. And every now and then, one of them will break free. How many of you have seen those videos? Yeah. It all begins when they're babies and how they're trained when they're young. The trainer drives this stake deep in the ground and puts a chain, or at least when they're babies sometimes, they even use just a rope. And he attaches that rope or that chain to the elephant's ankle. They're too small to break free at that point because they really drive that stake in the ground. So after they struggle with it for a little while, trying to pull it up, trying to get free, they just learn that they can't and so they just operate in this little circle. They don't even pull it taut anymore. They just stay in this little circle because they're trained that they can't get out of it. They're conditioned to stay in that little place even when they're fully grown and could easily break free, 
They don't because of what they learned when they were young. You hear me? They don't realize the power they possess. Every now and then you'll see one of those videos of one of those elephants that breaks free and he's running around, man, he's chasing his trainer and that trainer's like, oh my gosh, he figured it out. Chasing that trainer out of that tent, stepping on Volkswagens in the parking lot, you know, and people are just scattering everywhere. He's like, man, this is awesome. I had no idea. There's a whole new world out there. One little stake. One little chain controls them and robs them of their freedom. And I say all that to say this this morning. (laughs) You've been raised with Christ. Realize and exercise the power you now possess to live a new life. You've got what it takes. I've got what it takes. There's some days I wake up and I'm like, man, Phil, you definitely don't have what it takes today. And God says, yes, you do. Because it resides within you. You've got what it takes to live a new life. To break free from the shackles of religion. To break free from the habits of the past and the hurts that you felt and encountered in the past. Paul prays this prayer for the Ephesians. And he prays this prayer for you and I this morning. And we just sang it earlier uh, in our time of worship. Paul says this. He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart would be opened in order that you may know His incomparably great, what? Power for us who believe. That power which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Same power lives in you. And then Paul told the Romans this. He said, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Get your head around that. Get your heart around that. If the spirit of Christ who was raised from the dead is in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you. Through his spirit who lives in you. Does that sound like religion? That doesn't sound like religion to me. Does that sound like tradition? Does that sound like coldly going through the motions to you? No. That sounds like the power of God living inside of you, residing in me. It's two entirely different things. You've got the power. Isn't that a song? You've got the power to break free. You really do. And so do I. Paul says, here's how you do it. Here's how you begin to live into this new life. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, I want you to set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. In other words, step into a bigger story. Step into a bigger story. Don't get so immersed in this world that your affection and your attention never rise above it. 
Don't let the pain of your past keep you from living into the hope God has for your future. Where are you living in the pain of the past? Where are you living in the hurt of the past? Paul says step into a bigger picture. If you want to pull that stake up, you've got to live into a bigger story for a bigger glory than your own. Life's not found in the little circles we get trained to live in. When we set our hearts and when we set our minds on Him, we realize the power we have to be set free. The power to overcome those things that have controlled us in the past. The power we possess in Christ, Paul says, to put to death, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Step into a bigger story. Put to death sexual immorality. The, the Greek word for that is porinia. You do the math. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. You used to walk in these ways. This is the way you used to live in that little circle. In the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. And you've got the power to do it now. You didn't used to. Anger. Who's got an anger problem? Man, it can sneak up on all of us if we're not careful. Rage. And it can turn into that. Malice. I just can't let this go. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Paul says you've got to rid yourself of all that stuff. And it's not about you doing it. And you making it happen, it's about the power of God in you expelling those things from your life. So Paul essentially says here, you've got the power now to put that mess to rest. Put that mess to rest. Because the resurrection power of Jesus resides in you. You can pull up those stakes for good, every one of them. You don't have to be controlled by your old ways. In Christ, you have the power not to just manage your behavior. Is that Iris? Hey, sweetie. <laughs> I love that. And in Christ, you have the power not to just manage your behavior. I think that was an amen from Iris there. Uh, and Iris, I need you to manage your behavior, huh? But you can change it now. You can change it. She's going to be a rebel. <laughs> Let me ask you something this morning. Where do you need to do that? Quit trying to manage your behavior and reel it in. And Gosh, I shouldn't do this. Oh, man. I, mm -mm. Where do you need to stop trying to manage your behavior and change it? What mess do you need to put to rest in your life? Right now, today. What stake do you need to pull up and say, I'm done with it and I can be done with it because the power, the resurrection power of Christ that raised Him from the dead lives in me and can overcome this thing. Believe it. Realize it. Exercise it. 
You don't have to stay chained to the stake, and neither do I. You don't have to respond the same way you always have. Those deep ruts, those patterns. Even for us old folks, we can change. The resurrection of Christ that resides in us can teach old dogs new tricks. I tell you, it doesn't happen that often. But we have the capacity to change no matter how old we are. No matter how long we've been doing something. Death to life. It doesn't get much more powerful than that. Transformation. You don't have to fold like a lawn chair every time temptation comes your way. Oh man, I can never turn away from that. Yes, you can. What is it for you? I got what mine. You're fortunate that you're in Christ. You can choose to put that mess to rest and be cloaked, Paul says, in the character of Christ. It's like throwing one garment off my old nature, all this mess, and putting a new garment on. It says, as God's chosen people, those of you who have by faith placed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and stepped into the freedom you can only find in Him. He says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy. You are holy before God. You're not trying to be holy. You're not trying to, to work your way into His good graces. You are holy in God. You're dearly loved unconditionally. He says, because of that, clothe yourselves with compassion. And we need to hear that today. Clothe yourself with kindness. An unkind Christian is an oxymoron. Or just a moron. I'm serious though. If you cannot be kind, that is fundamental to being a follower of Christ. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Empty yourself for the sake of others. Clothe yourself with gentleness and patience. Whew. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. What if we did all that as a nation right now? What if we did all that as a church right now? What if we actually appropriated the power of Christ in us to step out of that old stuff and to step into this stuff? It'd be a different world that we live in. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is the fundamental understanding of being a follower of Christ. Man, I've got to be patient with other people. I've got to extend grace to other people the same way God has extended grace to me. And he says, and over all these virtues, over all of it, put on love. Because that pulls it all together and it glues it all together in perfect unity. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can exchange the old for the new. We can. You don't have to live in it anymore. We can exchange our sin for His righteousness. We can trade our rage for His compassion trade our anger for His kindness, our pride for His humility, our bitterness for His forgiveness. You can take off the old 
You can put on the new. You can pull that stake up and you can live into the life that He's promised you. You really can. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, and what? The new has come. The new has come. And some of you need to be reminded of that this morning. I need to be reminded of that this morning. You are still, no matter how long you've been following Christ, no matter how long you've been coming to church, you are still a new creation. You're not an old new creation. Are you with me? Sometimes it feels like that. You know, I've been doing this 30, 35 years, and whew, I feel like an old new creation at this point. No. You're still, I'm still a new creation in Christ. And we still possess the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we always will. God's power to make dead things live again. Hear me. God's power to make dead things live again is just as real just as present in you today as it was the day Jesus walked out of that tomb. It's not just some divine ambiguity out here that preachers stand up and talk about in church. It's a reality. The resurrection life, the resurrection power of Christ to change your life is real. Just as real as it was on the third day. Believe it. That's my challenge to you this morning. That's my challenge to myself this morning. Believe it. Realize it. Exercise it. And pull up that stake. Pull up those stakes. And step into the freedom that only the risen Christ can provide. Let me challenge you to reflect on that this week. I mean truly. Carve out some time to say, God, where have I been living in a circle? What do you want to free me from, Lord? Do you want to free me from the traditions of religion that I've never found life in? Do you want to free me from, from, from th this hurt that I've held on to for my entire life? Do you want to give me the capacity to forgive and to find freedom and to move on? Lord, what do you want to change in me? Because I want it to change. And I pray you'd open the eyes of my heart that I might latch on to the power of Christ in me that enables that change. That's my prayer for you this week. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for... I mean, it just seems almost empty to thank you for that. Lord, what you've done in your unconditional love on our behalf at the cross that we might be forgiven and that we might have your power living in us to overcome the challenges we face, namely ourselves.
God, I pray this week that you would open our eyes and move us to a new place in Christ, a freedom that we've never experienced. And Lord, for those who are here this morning who've never by faith stepped over the line and truly trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, Lord, that's the first button in the first buttonhole. And I pray that you would, Lord, bring them to a place of a surrendered heart today. Open their eyes to the reality of your resurrection, not just as an event in history, but something that is real and true and transforming in their lives today. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.